Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. You're listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Covering Mississippi State sports like nobody else. Sports Talk Mississippi's Brian Haydad, along with Joel Coleman of Sports Illustrated's Cowbell Corner, give you an inside look at the Bulldogs on the field, the court, and the diamond. Now, get ready for thunder and lightning. This is Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. Brian Haydad and Joel T. Coleman here with you on a Thursday morning. We are glad that you have joined us at supertalk.fm or wherever it is you get your podcasts from. Appreciate you guys tuning in, especially our great servicemen and women taking care of us out there and our medical personnel taking care of us here at home. I want to thank our sponsors, Strange Brew Coffeehouse and Churn and Spoon Ice Cream. I, I, we need to. I'm, I'm going to say this, and then we're going to move forward. People, people have been saying like you, you always get thrown off at Strange Brew. You always do this crazy story. Just stop doing that. So here we go. Strange Brew Coffee House, obviously there on Highway 12 or at University Drive. Drive through at uh, Highway 12. Uh, Walk up window at uh, University Drive if you want to keep that social distance. But wherever you, whatever location you choose, you know you're getting some of the finest handcrafted coffees, frozen drinks. Whatever you're looking for there with the best service in town. Churn and Spoon Ice Cream is going to be open up very, very soon. So you can get some of those incredible treats that they have over there, which I will be sampling sooner rather than later. And some new flavors are on the way, which I think I mentioned the other day, Joel. They want to have us buy for a little taste test. So what we're going to do is I'll taste it, and then you'll look at it, and then I'll taste again. While I drink my coffee that I got from the I get I get two tastes, and I'll just – what this is what Joel would have said. Make sense? Makes sense Works for you? Yeah, I'm trying to not talk much during this ad read because I feel like I'm usually the one You're the that one drives gets me off. off the tr- track. Well, so. let's let's see. You know, Speaking of tracks, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Straight through Coffeehouse, <laughs> Highway 12 and University Drive. Our good friends at College Corner, that special is still running. I don't know how long it's going to run. I'll be honest with you. Any day now, we could get the, we could get the word. It's, it's over. And then you're going to feel really, really dumb if you missed out on free money. And that's what this is. You just go to collegecornerstore.com and type gift card into the search bar there. Boom, 30% off that purchase. So $100 gift card, $70 purchase. And if you want to go to the other two locations in the Jackson area, they're in Ridgeland by Fleet Feet. They're by the Half Shell in Flowood. And sample for yourself the biggest and best selection of MSU merchandise in the state of Mississippi. I'm telling you right now, when you come to Davis Wade Stadium, look your best. All right? Imagine if... Imagine if Mike Leach and that team, they, they're just they're just half-assing it. They're just going through the motions. And what happened? Oh, well, you know, just, just didn't look our best today. Would you accept that from them? No. So don't accept it from you from yourself. Go out and get yourself a brand-new polo, a new hat. Get the family, get the kids in some brand-new T-shirts. Get yourself a, you know, a, a, a cowbell sticker with the pirate on there. Get it all. And save some money doing it when you shop with collegecornerstore.com and College Corner. Our good friends at Advantage Business Systems want to remind you that no matter what's going on this, in these uncertain times, <laughs> you can certainly rely on them to help you and help get your business, keep it running smooth and keep it running the way you want it. All you've got to do is give them a call. Their number is 844-833-6245, or you can just visit them online at absms.com. I'm looking at their website right now. Professional, very, very matter of fact, lets you know what's going on there. It says As it says right here, Mississippi's leading resource for office products and business communication solutions. 
that says it all. And they've got 45 years of experience that shows that they know exactly what they're doing. So whether you're keeping your employees at home and you need to get them some devices, or you just feel like this is the time to upgrade the technology in your office, Advantage Business Systems can help. Again, 844-833-6245 or absms.com. Advantage Business Systems helps your business do business. We got a good show today. A little later in the show on the Welcome Home Beef Hot. What's that? I mean, I kind of think they're all pretty good myself, but so, biased. So what I, I would say our baseline is good, and then there are some that elevate above that. And this is above. This is above that. I feel. Well, I mean, we haven't recorded some of this yet, so we might I feel we confident might in our ability to, to carry it. Okay. But even if we don't, in the second half of the show on the Welcome Home Beef Hotline, Keith Law from the Athletics going to join us. Very informative inf- interview about Mississippi State's uh, MLB uh, draft. What they, what you should be looking the for the entire situation uh, of the MLB draft. Like it's, and I don't, I'm not saying this because I am biased. I really do believe it's one of our better interviews as far as information I it was very, that we, very we've ever done. Very informative. <laughs> but we're going to start with football. You know, Joel, we've talked about these this this class of 2020, and I think we've we've put a lot of emphasis on the two running backs uh, on Jaquavius Marks and. Uh, D- Dylan Johnson as guys who could could you know find their way onto the field, especially Marks. I think has a great chance to be the backup tailback. And you know we've talked about the JUCO guys obviously a lot, but there's a lot of true freshmen in this class. I feel are going to make a, a big impact. I, I don't know that this is going to be a, a ton of guys redshirting. I think the offensive linemen are going to redshirt guys like Grant Jackson, Calvin McMillan. Um, I think they'll, they'll redshirt. I think some of the defensive linemen can redshirt. Uh, Armandus Cooley and Javon Banks. But DBs and obviously Will Rogers will, will redshirt, you know, barring an emergency. But the DBs and wide receivers, positions of need for Mississippi State. You've got some young guys here who I think can make a, 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 an early appearance. And I'm going to start with Janari Dean, who I think is the the biggest benefactor of Jerry and Jones leaving. He is a guy who I think is going to find his way up to depth chart. His name constantly came up. When you read recruiting stuff from Paul Jones and Steve Robertson, they lobbied for this kid to be a higher ranking. That I think you know he's an 88 rated three star. They, I think both of those guys. I think Robbie Falk would tell you too. A very underrated player. He could be an impact freshman for Mississippi State this year. He could. And are we just talking about freshmen? Or are we talking about first year guys in general? We're just talking about the true freshmen, the 2020 okay, class. We're just talking about 2020 class. Yeah. Because oh, I was going to say Kyle Cass could factor in here too. Juco guy, though. Juco yeah. guy, yeah. though. Yeah. But, but I, ex- yeah. I think you have to expect your Juco guys to, to contribute. That's fair. That's, that's very fair. But I, I kind of I agree with you in that Dean is absolutely a guy that with Jar and Jones now out of the picture, I mean, I don't even think that it's. A stretch say he's going to play. No, yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, I think it's at at that point. Um, I, and who's to say he couldn't come in? And because do you really know what you're getting out of a, a Kyle, Cla- Kyle Kyle Cass? Yeah, that's I a mean, difficult name to say. Uh, you, you just you don't know. Yeah. So maybe it's best to to get Dean some reps and things. I mean, you got four games to see what you got. If he excels yeah. in those, give you know, and he has to burn the red shirt, then. Yeah, such is life. I I think Dean, you know, obviously he played, you know, six A football, South Panola, really carried that team offensively. He's a guy that you know when uh, Moorhead was still here, I was under the impression that maybe he should get a look on offense. And even with with Mike Leach, I, I wouldn't be you know against it totally. But it seems now with Jerry and Jones heading out that you, you're going to have to find a spot for him defensively. And he's a guy that you know, oh, I think there's some there's some thought that he can maybe grow a little bit into sort of a hybrid 
sort of a guy who can play maybe as, as one of the three in a, the three three five as a linebacker, but could definitely play as that nickelback position or even as as the free safety. Um, These freshmen, mm-hmm. they are in not just on the defensive side, but when you want to talk about Tulu or Rufus Harvey, any of the guys on offense, they are in such a to me, just looking at it, a, a much more optimum position to possibly play in year one mm-hmm. than maybe at any other point. One, you got a new head coach. Yeah. So it's a blank slate for everybody. Yeah. Two, those head coaches, or, or the head coach and the assistant coaches, they're going to go into the fall now still with that blank slate because they didn't get to see any of the returning guys play in the spring either. Literally, they're going to go into fall camp, this coaching staff and things, and the freshmen and the guys that have actually been here are still kind of on the same level. Yeah. So I just kind of feel like you're going to have situations here where the freshmen are going to get maybe further looks than they would have otherwise because in these coaches' minds, I mean, they've seen none of these guys play except maybe on film. Right. A time or two, you know. Yeah, I know talking not to Steve even a Spur- spring. Yeah, I, I talking to Steve Spurrier Jr. the other day. He was talking about I hadn't seen Osiris Mitchell catch a football. Yeah, I mean, and we're almost to we're in June. It's we're not June. almost to June. Yeah, we're in June, and and so if you get fall camp in like August and they finally start going, well, the first time they see Rufus Harvey catch a pass is going to be the first time they see Osiris Mitchell catch a pass. Right. I, everybody's right and there. To go. And at the receiver position, you know, for a lot of a lot of these guys. You know, even though there's some depth at their position, there's depth. There's enough depth at DB that you know you don't have to play a ton of, of these freshmen there. But I think some of them are going to play because they're a little bit more talented than who's you already have on campus. Receiver is the opposite of that. You just don't. You got to have guys. You need to have nine or ten guys, and you don't right now. So you know, never mind Malik Keith and Caleb Ducking. Some of these other guys are going to play. We'll talk about them in just a minute. The other three B- DBs: Cameron Three, Emmanuel Forbes, Javoris Selman. I guess there's four, and DeCamry and Richardson. They're going to have some opportunities right away. You know, Emerson and Tyler Williams are, I think, are, are who you've got locked in right now. If you had to put a depth chart up, but behind them is is a big mystery. There's a good chance that once for the second season in a row, your backup corners, your top two guys off the bench, are, are freshmen. And if you had to make me pick today, I mean, obviously Emmanuel Forbes, who was the nation's number twelve uh, corner a season ago, would be that guy. But Cameron Richardson. His size, he's six foot two, 180 pounds. You know, he he he's built big enough for that. And then I got Javoris Selman is is he's listed as an athlete. And from what I've read of him, that that's a really good description. He's just a really good athlete. Not he doesn't have the size, maybe not the speed, but he has the right attitude. And I don't want to get too far into you know, oh, the state's got a bunch of grinders and all. You know, I, I get I get the joke, but he's a good enough player that I think. All of those guys, but Forbes and Richardson specifically, they're going to see a lot of reps here. I'll be surprised if Forbes and Richardson redshirt. You might be able to redshirt Threat and, and Selman. Here's where hopefully, for for these guys' sake, it's going to really help to have Mike Leach this year. Um, in that, all goes well, you're putting up a ton of points, and all goes well, you're going to have some leads in some games, and you can get guys like that at, at corner, get them some reps in games. Where if they get burnt, well, you're still up two or three touchdowns, so you're you're in good shape. <laughs> you know, I I kind of feel like uh, this offense, hopefully for for the the development of some of these corners and, and safeties and all, all the first year guys on the defensive side of the ball, you know, if Leach can can pile up the points and kind of 
you have some margin for error, and, and I think that would would be beneficial. You know, I, I just don't know what you, what you're getting there out of backup right. corners. What, what what are you getting? Uh, we we don't know as we sit here today. Just like you didn't well, know I mean, last year what you were going to get. You didn't know what you were getting when they were sending um, Jerry and Jones. You just knew they were highly recruited guys, and that you felt you had to, you had but you see felt what about I, their talent. What I'm trying to say is though, last year you had no faith that the Joe Moorhead offense was going to put up enough points to kind of give those guys some breathing room. Yeah, maybe with. Maybe the leech offense, the air raid, can get you a few extra scores where those guys yeah. have some breathing room and can can kind of learn on the job a little especially bit, especially early on in the season. Then offensively, I think there's you know the three guys you got to look at: Lee, Lee Dietrich, whatever calling him that though, Tulu Griffin, uh, so Jaden Wally, sort of gets overlooked in this, and then of course Startville's own Rufus Harvey. Especially, you know, state needs slot receivers. You know, I mean, who do they have there? Really, Austin Williams. Uh, maybe does that where Javante Payton maybe moves inside? But you know, you lose Dedrick Thomas, you lose Malik Deer. Um, I'm also interested to see where do guys like Jacoris uh, Spivey line up. They have to be outside, right? I, I would think. I can't imagine they're, they're, that those they're, guys are their height and yeah. things that would make you think. But you know, we were talking about that mesh play yesterday. That, that's a, that's a route for a speedy receiver that gets an, a, can get a yard of space on that rub there and then take off. That doesn't strike me as where you want to put Brad Cumbus and Jaquarius Spivey. I don't know. So, you know, and I know yesterday we joked about it, but mm-hmm. those are big body guys. I think they could, they could get a little friction. They could get out the friction, out, but then the, do they have the speed <laughs> to get that yard and, and yeah, go sure. from there? I don't know. Wally is a guy that, you know, he had a really good offseason in terms of he was one of the stars down at the Mississippi-Alabama All-Star Game. Griffin, one of the top players in the state last year. And, you know, Rufus Harvey, everybody's – that might be the, the the fan favorite this year. Everybody's sort of rooting for Rufus Harvey, the kid who wanted the MSU all for more than waited anything. Waited and waited and, and he waited. waited until the last possible second, and he got it and signs with Mississippi State. You saw Rufus you know, play some in high school – Production is certainly not an issue for him. Can all three of those guys? I mean, will they? Will will any of them redshirt? I I, I think State's going to cycle through receivers, trying to find the right mix, and it may take more than four games to get that. Especially when you're talking about you know your third game of the year is an SEC game. Your second game of the year is a uh, I'm sorry, your fourth game of the year. Your second game of the year is on the road at a Power Five opponent. You got to find the guys who can play. Yeah. All it's going to take is for one or two of those guys to come in and make an early impression. That's that's very true. And and then they're playing. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that's if, the bottom line. If, if and let's pick one at random. Let's just say Tulu comes in in his first practice and he's catching everything and he's getting open and he's got the right attitude. He is going to. He may have. He may start. He may start from day one because Mike Leach is going to find f- six or seven receivers, but he's got to have four to start the game. And he's not. I don't really think he's locked in to Peyton, Osiris Mitchell, and Malik Keith. And I get the impression again, not to say that this, not to say that just anybody can jump in and run the air raid, but I get the impression again that it is an offense that you can learn pretty quickly. Yeah. And so I think that bodes well for for these offensive guys, for Rufus Harvey, for for Griffin, for for every one of these guys coming in. We'll see if it. We'll see if they can pick it up and and shine early, but from mm-hmm. from all indications, they have as good a chance with this with this coaching staff in this offense. Given the situation, these freshmen have as good a chance mm-hmm. as they've ever had, as any group of freshmen has ever had to come in and make an immediate impact. Right. The only other guy I could see making a, a push for playing time this year, and I don't know if he will or not, is inside linebacker Rodney Gross Jr. Because 
you're just sort of thin at linebacker. Yeah. You know? And especially at his size, 6'1 and 240, doesn't that just sort of sound like the guy who should be backing up Errol Thompson? So, you know, is he a guy? I, I think he'll redshirt, but I won't be surprised if he gets some playing time in those first couple of games just to, so they can sort of see what they have there. Yeah. Isn't that four-game redshirt rule such a beautiful thing? You can like, tell why Dan Mullen was a fan of it. You know, yeah, for a program it, like this, it's one thing when you've got a bunch of five-star kids and you're just not too worried about depth. But here, especially in a year where, you know, State's first four games are uh, New Mexico, two, uh, NC State, Tulane, and Arkansas. In reality, State should be favored in all four of those games. So you have an opportunity, you know, just you could play those guys in those first three games and then you make a decision, okay, do we play them now or are we saving them for Alabama and m What are we doing? Yeah. So... And it also gives you an opportunity to do things like, you, let's say you had a true freshman quarterback that yes. played last year, yes. and then you bring in a grad transfer for this year. Well, that that guy can can still play a little bit this year, and maybe Garrett Schrader can also learn the air raid. That's, and that's like, yeah, exactly. You, you you have eight games to play with yeah. between Rodgers and Schrader. So yeah, it's it's a fantastic. It's a great rule. It's a rule that should have happened a lot lot earlier. All right, let's move on over to baseball, and then we'll do that with our friends at Welcome Home Beef. If you went to their website today, you saw they put up a brand-new menu that's got all of their options available there, roasts, ground meats. they got the Pitmaster packages there with brisket and beef ribs, which I'm going to be hitting them up for, I think, next week. Uh, and, of course, all their great steaks. So now you can sort of have a little more information going in on the prices and on, on, on all the different products. And don't forget, they can customize just about anything. Uh, we had somebody tweeted us today. They ordered a whole ribeye, the whole the whole deal. So you know, let them know what you're looking for. Hey, I want to get a three pound roast or a four pound roast. Hey, I want to get some beef ribs. Can I get four bones or whatever? They'll work with you, man, and they'll make it work, make make the, the the order fit what you want to do. So make sure you're giving them a call today. And of course, they still got all these great pork products. I know a lot of you have bought some bellies after seeing the uh, the burn ins that I put out last weekend. Uh, I can't recommend you doing that enough. By all means, get yourself a pork belly. Delicious stuff. So give them a call today at 662-418-2021 or just go online to facebook.com slash welcomehomebeef. You can see that menu for yourself. Place your order. They'll be happy to work with you. Get yourself some big-time steaks, some burgers on the grill this weekend. You can do that with Welcome Home Beef. And I promise you, when you take it off the grill, one thing is for certain. It just tastes good. All right, joining us now, let's talk to Keith Law. MLB draft just a few days away. Obviously, a lot to talk about from the Mississippi State perspective, so we've got one of the experts, Keith Law, senior baseball writer for The Athletic, joining us here on the Welcome Home Beef Hotline. Keith, I read your most recent uh, mock draft, which looks like it came out a little earlier today as we're, as we're talking on, on a Wednesday. you got Jordan Westberg. We'll start with the college guys. You've got Westberg going in the uh, first round, towards the back end of the first round, to the Oakland A's at 26. He's a guy that, you know, obviously Joel and I have seen a lot of, and the tools are certainly there. Is there a lot of confidence among scouts that he can put everything together and, and become a complete player? Uh, I'm sorry, you cut out for a second there. Which player did you ask? Oh, Westberg. Westberg. Um, I'll put it this way. I think Westberg, he may go in the first round. I think he's probably not really a first rounder on pure talent. I think he probably belongs more in the second round. I think there's too many questions about ultimate position. I think there's questions about whether his bat, how his bat is going to ultimately profile um, as he gets into pro ball. Uh, he's probably the best best pure prospect on this team. He punched out 69 times last time for Mississippi State. Guys who strike out that often have a really hard time making a lot of contact in pro ball. And unfortunately, like all players in this draft, 
didn't get a full spring to show if he was any better. He didn't even get into SEC play. If he'd gone into the SEC, had a strong spring of higher contact rates, then maybe he would have changed some folks' minds. But as it is, the sophomore year is kind of what stands out, and that's why I at least have, uh, and I think I reflect a lot of scouts' opinions, we have real questions about how much he's going to hit when he gets to the pro ball. In your previous mock draft, your 2.0, you had JT Ginn in the first round at the 28th pick going to the Yankees. You dropped him out of the first round in this most recent mock draft. Is that just a, a situation where you know, you're know you just figuring out what people are leaning towards or was something something going on with Ginn that might, may have dropped him down a little bit? No, it's what I'm hearing. Right. So these mock drafts are I try to talk to as many industry sources as I can and get a sense of what – we're, what we're all hearing, what do we think certain teams are doing? Some teams are more willing to be open about what they're doing themselves. A lot of it is folks just telling me what they hear other teams are likely to do. And I'm really not hearing Ginn's name a lot in the first round anymore because it's not just the Tommy John thing, but obviously he was represented by Scott Boris out of high school, so folks don't think he's going to sign that cheaply. Uh, he is sophomore eligible, so he potentially could come back next year and come out again as a junior. And he's a six-foot right-hander who's got some delivery questions. And it wasn't a huge shock that he got hurt because even in high school, there were knocks against him for the effort in his delivery. So all of those things combined mean that some teams that might ordinarily be willing to roll the dice on a Tommy John guy with this kind of upside, like Washington, seems like they're less interested maybe they would have ordinarily been. I still think JT probably goes in the first 40 picks or so if he's willing to sign, but I did not hear him enough, strongly enough with any team to put him in the first round. You think it's just going to be a signability thing to determine whether or not he's back at Mississippi State for, for another season? Is there a, yeah, a scenario that allows that? It's up to him, right? If he, were, if he came out and said, I'm willing to sign for a million dollars, he would absolutely be drafted. Now, he should ask for more than that because I think he's better than that. I do think... Um, Ultimately, there is probably a dollar figure that he would accept that some team is willing to pay him. But it may be that it goes to somebody's second pick. There are a number of teams that have extra picks in between the first and second round. A lot of those teams also have high picks in the second round. Baltimore and Kansas City both come to mind, which means they have a lot of money to play with. So they could potentially go to again and say, we'll give you first-round money. We're just not actually taking you with a first-round pick. And then they pay somebody a little bit less than the allotted uh, slot value in their third or fourth round pick, say. That could work, and I actually think he's one of three or four guys who seem very likely to be picked in that kind of scenario because this way he's not your first pick. You're not putting all of your eggs in the basket of a kid who's still coming back from Tommy John. Keith, Justin Voskey is a guy that shows a lot of power at second base, uh, was not in, in your most recent mock draft uh, on Wednesday. Is he a... He's a guy that has been in some mock drafts in the first round. Is Justin Foscu a guy you could see being a first-round guy before all is said and done at some point? Yeah, it would not shock me if he was a first-rounder. I don't personally think he goes there. I know a few teams in the 20s that might have interest in him. I think he also is seen as somebody like Westbrook, even though they're very different players, but he's seen as somebody who probably would be a bit of a reach to get him into the first round because unfortunately although he's got some raw power he really hasn't shown it very much he should hit about 14 home runs as a sophomore didn't show any power as a freshman hadn't shown a lot of power so far this spring hasn't shown power with the wood bat so while there's clearly some power in the package one thing i hear from scouts is a question of whether he's actually going to have that power going forward once he's hitting with wood in pro ball and especially since he's 
going to play, probably going to end up playing third or second base. We expect those guys to have a little bit of power. You don't have to be a 30 or 40 home run guy, but most teams would like a guy with the capability of hitting 20 home runs at either of those positions, and it's just not clear whether he can get to that kind of power. It's in the body, but whether he can actually get to it in games. There are some other uh, juniors at Mississippi State, and I guess, you know, given the extra year of eligibility, they'll still be juniors next year too, I guess. Right. But but uh, Tanner Allen, uh, Rowdy Jordan, Josh Hatcher are names that, I guess in some years, if this was the traditional 40-round draft, you might see go. Are they guys, though, that you could see at any point in the in, in this five-round draft? Or are guys like Allen, Jordan, and, and Hatcher probably best served to, to go on back to school and, and, and see where they, they fit in in next year's draft? I don't think any of those guys are going to get drafted next yeah. week. It's just five rounds. And, you know, also what's going to happen with some teams, not all teams, but teams are going to get to that fifth round and they're going to try to lowball some players and say, well, if you don't get drafted now, you can only get $20,000 after the draft. And so they're going to probably try to target some players who they think are particularly signable, particularly vulnerable, um, knowing that their alternative is to take twenty grand or just go back to school. That may mean we see a lot of junior college players or college seniors signed in that fifth round and makes it even, I think, a little bit worse for college juniors. There were a lot of players who were adversely affected by the by the shorter draft, but those some of those guys you named are that's that class, right? The college juniors who would have been taken in round six through ten in a typical draft, they just get basically just get nothing. Yeah, let's look at the high school guys, and we'll start with the 19th pick in your mock, the New York Mets taking Austin Hendrick, a guy that ever since he committed to Mississippi State, I think most people would have told you it was a pipe dream to ever get him on campus. But you mentioned that he's you know he's an older prospect; he's he's going to be 19 at the time of the draft. He'll be a, a sophomore eligible player. Uh, and you're saying he may ask for an overslot bonus, even though scouts couldn't play see him play this year. Is there a, a window, no matter how small, that Austin Hendrick could end up in Starkville? Yeah, I think so. I think so. I mean, that's JT Ginn, right? JT Ginn, other than JT was actually from Mississippi. Right. So I think there was a little bit more of a, an emotional tie between him and the school. But otherwise, it's the same thing. It is, yeah, I'm a first-round talent now, but I can also go to college and maybe be a top 10 player in two years. I think JT, if they, if he had been healthy and there had been a full spring, he may have gone in the top 10 pick. So I don't know that his gamble was necessarily uh, wrong. It didn't work because, like a lot of pitchers, he gets hurt. In Hendricks' case, I think it's a little easier. He could say, I can go to Mississippi State for two years, hit 30 home runs, home runs over two seasons, and come out and be, you know, why, am, why can't I be Spencer Torkelson in two years, a guy who's going to go first or second in the draft? I think that's probably Hendricks' argument. Um, and because he didn't play this year, there are still some unresolved questions about swing mechanics and how much contact he can actually make. We know he's got crazy power. You know he has huge exit velocities. That's not the question. But when a player like that goes to college and proves it for two years, he can make himself a lot more money. So I don't think he'd be out of line to be asking for a top 10 bonus, but I don't know that he'll get it because, once again, nobody got to see him play this spring. And then you talk about power in the high school ranks and a Mississippi kid. Blaze Jordan is a guy. You know, here in Mississippi, we've been hearing about Blaze Jordan since he was in seventh grade. Uh, you know, yeah. c- committed to Mississippi State. We've all seen the highlight videos. Not in your first round mock. I haven't seen him in any first round mocks that I've seen across the internet. W- what's the situation with him? Where do you think he's going to end up? Well, he's just not very good. I mean, that's the weird thing. I don't know why he's had this kind of hype or reputation since he was in seventh grade. He's just not that good of a prospect. He's a first baseman who it's not really clear he can hit for game power. He doesn't have a lot of athleticism. 
I think there's way too many questions. I mean, even before we talk about the bad history of Mississippi high school kids in the draft, the only thing Blaze Jordan really has going for him is that he's young. Because he reclassified, he's a 17-year-old. And there are some teams that particularly value high school position players who are 17 at the time of the draft. Cleveland is one of them. The Giants are one of them. Maybe one of those teams, Texas would be another. Maybe one of those teams has interest in him in the second round. But the truth is, a high school first baseman with major questions about some of his offensive game, that's just not that much of a prospect. He would probably be way better served going to college to see what kind of player he actually is. Keith, I don't know, I don't know how familiar you are with Mississippi State's uh, signing class, but uh, is there anyone else that comes to mind that, that – that Mississippi State fans might want to keep an eye out for on on over the course of the five round draft, whether it's Kellum Clark, um, Mikey Tepper, a couple of other names that ha- have I guess had a little steam um, at least around here. Uh, is there any other guys that come to mind as Mississippi State signees that guys might want to keep an eye out for? Yeah, the only other guys I even had, and they're not even probably not even guys I'm going to write about, but Kellum Clark and Jackson Bristow were the two that I think if we'd had a regular length of draft, there might have been some interest. But Clark is already 19 years old. That works the other way, right? It works against, like it does with Hendrick, mm-hmm. works against a position player. He'll be sophomore eligible in two years if he goes to school. Fristo is 19, also be the pitcher. It's kind of less important for him. Uh, I, I really don't see either of those guys getting drafted, unless one of them is way more signable than I am aware of. And I, I fully admit, I don't know a lot of player signability. Those are not guys who are going to go in the top two, three rounds anyway. I think in a year like this especially, they go to school. And if I were any college coach, this isn't specific to Mississippi State, my worry about my top recruits is actually less that they get drafted and more that they might say, I'm going to go to junior college, try to come out next year. Because obviously we're all hoping next year guys will play. And for guys who thought, well, I might get you know 800 grand and then sign this year, that type of player doesn't exist. Right? He's, that high school kid... Going over slot, getting over slot money in the you know tenth, eleventh round or something that doesn't exist this year. That kid is a candidate to go to junior college. Yeah, we, we've been talking about that on this program and others about how there could be some elite junior college uh, baseball teams this year across the country. Yeah. So something yeah, which would be great. By yeah. the way, I'm all in favor of that. By all means, go to junior college, play for a year, save some money. Especially if you're only going to get maybe a quarter scholarship, by all means do that. If you play well, you will still be able to go to an elite four-year school one or two years later. Really interesting stuff today. Keith, we really appreciate your time. Keith Law from The Athletic. He's the guy to follow for the MLB draft. Thanks so much for joining us today. My pleasure. Stay safe. Thanks, Keith. Thanks to Keith for his time. We really, really appreciate that. Interesting stuff from him. Let's start with the college guys. Let's start with Ginn, to be honest, because I think he's the most interesting one. I feel... If I if you said play place your bets, that that conversation made me lean towards JT Ginn maybe returning to Mississippi State for another season. Yeah, whereas before we talked to him, I was kind of leaning the other direction. I was. Um, I think he's right though, and I I haven't talked to JT Ginn. I haven't talked to JT Ginn's family, um, their business, whatever. But I you have to think he's kind of right in that there's probably some figure somewhere. That if you hit it, you can you can get him right. But that's probably true for about everybody, kind of thing too. I mean, true for Brian, Adab. everybody's got a price. That's right. Um, JT in the past though has turned turned like he said, you know, turned down a lot of money. We all know that to come to Mississippi State. You kind of wonder if he would do it twice. You know, if if there's that, 
if somebody comes at him, and I, I think last time it was two point four million. I think the Dodgers was their reported offer to JT. Yeah, and he didn't take it and came to Mississippi State. I'm just putting myself into JT Ginn's shoes. If someone comes at me now, and it's somewhere around two million, I'm probably gonna say I think I got to take it. This yeah, you got to take it this time around. I agree. I mean, well, can he get there? I, I don't know, but seems like to me if you could get somewhere around that figure, and I think if some team likes him enough, and it just takes one, uh, then if somebody floats that fit kind of kind of a figure at him, I would be surprised if he comes back. But that said, I was surprised the first time that two point four million didn't didn't get him. So. Westberg, he's gotten the first round at the 26th pick. I don't think I'm overly surprised by that. I am more surprised that Foscue's not there, and I was a little surprised to hear that there's more, there are some concerns about his power. Yeah, I think it was the last time we talked about this. I told you, and some of you guys listening may have saw the mock draft. I think it was MLB Pipelines that was talking about when you look at Foscue and Westberg, Foscue kind of has the... the uh, the higher floor, so to speak, and, mm-hmm. and Westberg has the higher ceiling. Yeah, and I kind of like the way they put that because I kind of that's kind of how I view them. Um, seems like Foscue would be a, a a little more of a safe pick mm-hmm. than Westberg in that you kind of like even us watching them. I felt like Foscue at Mississippi State was the more consistent of the two. I agree. Um, and of course, baseball. <laughs> baseball teams love consistency but yet he has Westberg in that first round and Foscue not as of right now in, the, in this latest mock draft which we talked about in the in the interview I, yeah I, I'm, I'm surprised um, because in some mock drafts I mean Foscue was taken ahead of Westberg just to, as of a week or two ago you know so the, these things are all over the place yeah. uh, they they could go Foscue could go in somewhere in the twenties in the first round, or I mean, there there are the the compensation the isn't that right? The compensation picks or whatever yeah. right there in, in between compensatory picks, and yeah. then this thing kind of. Whereas not long ago, I was thinking that for sure Westberg and and Foscue were probably first rounders. Now I could see it going any number of ways yeah. as it gets closer and closer. I think if you listen to that interview and you're a Mississippi State fan, you should feel pretty good though. Because it feels like you know you got no real worries with Tanner Allen, Rowdy Jordan, or Josh Hatcher. Uh, you got a pretty good shot. It looks like a JT Ginn returning. And then from the high school perspective, there's a window there for Austin Hendrick, which I would not have ever foreseen. Um, I, I think it's probably a small window, but again, signability might become an issue. And, and for a hitter, I feel like there's a lot less risk. You know, with the pitcher, you, you see what happened with JT. There's always the risk that you know your last pitch could be your last. Your, your next pitch should be your last pitch. But with a hitter, it just seems like the, the, the odds of career-ending injury are less. It seems that way, which makes you think a little bit about Westberg and Foscue because they can come back and be juniors again. They could. Is there any scenario in those guys' minds where if they fall out of the first round and they don't like the number that they hear that they're going to get paid, they can say, well, shoot, I'll just go back. and You know, Keith Law talked about Foscue didn't hit for a ton of power in the the few games this spring. Mm-hmm. Well, does Justin think to himself, well, crap, I'll just go back and hit 15, 20 more homers and be a for-sure first-rounder next year? Yeah. I mean, could that happen? I don't know. Um, I wouldn't bet on that, but there's that chance. And uh, 
we'll see it. We'll, we'll see if Hendrick kind of like wants to play those odds, like he said, and maybe work his way up and be a Spencer Torkelson or somebody. I think Chris Lamonis would be pretty happy to hear yeah. that if it be was up. indeed the case. Uh, and then finally, what I because we sort of buried the lead here. The most surprising part of this was Keith Law not a huge uh, fan of Blaze Jordan. Um, obviously, that that bodes very well for Mississippi State, but. The question becomes, you know, what are you getting with him? I think he's shown enough to make you think he can be a good college baseball player. Were you, how surprised were you, though, to hear his his uh, scouting report of Blaze Jordan? Very. Because <laughs> we, we played that game a few weeks ago of who's coming and who's not, and I think I said, and I didn't feel comfortable at all saying Blaze, you know, Blaze Jordan was going to come to state. To hear Keith Law talk... It's almost like Blaze Jordan better go to state. Yeah. And, yeah, so it really surprised me to hear him. I mean, what's the word? Knock him? <laughs> I don't know how you say I mean, it. But. I don't feel like he's knocking him because he's giving us his honest opinion yeah. of the guy. But, you know, like I said, we've been hearing about Blaze Jordan for years and that he was this, you know, sort of this Babe Ruth kind of figure. And to be fair here, I'm not trying to knock Keith Law either. Yeah. He, he knows a lot more about these guys than I do. Obviously. Um but based upon all the the hype that we have heard and read and seen about Blaze Jordan, I'm really, I was really surprised. That, Maybe it's that a little he, chicks dig the long ball kind of thing that he just hits these Ruthian shots, and everybody's like, "Oh wow, look at him!" And, you know, but there's some holes in his game that he needs to come to. So, I, I, my takeaway from this interview was: if you're a Mississippi State fan, you should be fired up because you got to. You're probably going to have Gin. Tanner Allen, Rowdy Jordan, and J- Josh Hatcher all back. You're going to get Blaze Jordan and probably the re- – you're probably going to get your entire recruiting class, Sands, Austin Hendrick, and there's a window for him to possibly be here. I don't know that he could have given Mississippi State fans any more better news than he did. Yeah. <laughs> that that was certainly kind of my takeaway, too. It, it kind of still, to me, coming out of that interview, it still feels like Westberg and Foscue are close to slam dunks gone. Yeah. At least in my mind, that's what, yeah. I, what I have kind of etched there. And like you said, it seems like there's kind of a window maybe for everybody else. Yeah. Or, or, Which and, I would not have bought and, into. And in Tanner and, and Rowdy and Hatcher's case, yeah. I mean, it doesn't even seem like it's a window. It's just it's they're the coming way it's back, going to be. So. so, interesting stuff from Keith. Really appreciate his time, and uh, thanks for, for joining us. All right, tomorrow's show is our deep dive into the 1998 College World Series team. We've already wrapped up an interview with Brad Freeman. We've got another one coming with Brooks Bryan to talk about that team and sort of, you know, how it sort of lost its place in, in MSU history. So it should be really, really good stuff on tomorrow's show. Thanks, guys, for joining us today. We certainly appreciate it. Back with you tomorrow morning. For Joel T. Coleman, Woo. I'm Brian Haydad. Thanks for listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.